Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in in what part of the country? Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit for pet stains it's a this is next steps for seniors with your host wendy jones each week wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one now here's wendy jones with this week's guest Good morning, and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors. I'm your host, Wendy Jones, and as you all know, owner and operator of Next Steps for Seniors, the business, and we're located here in Rochester, Michigan, but covering Southeast Michigan, and we're kind of in unprecedented times right now, listeners, and I know you all know this, and we're on this journey together, so I appreciate you tuning in and trying to gain more information, as I am, and today we have a guest in the studio from the greater Rochester area. He's a state representative. Um, His name is Mike Weber. Good morning, Mike. Hey, good morning. Thank you. We're excited to have him here. He covers District 45, for those of you who are familiar with the districts. And, you know, I'm passionate now, as many of us are in the United States of America, about our seniors and about what's going on with our seniors and what we can be doing And Mike shares the same passion with me, and I want to personally thank you first, Mike, for getting myself and Marianne Engstrom in front of the Joint Select Committee a few weeks ago. You know, I was was happy to help. I think uh, the more, um, you know, we get that type of testimony and, and those stories um, in, in, uh, involved in that task force, I think the better so that they can make uh, the proper recommendations going forward. So. so tell us a little bit about how first, how the joint select committee got established. And because um, I know there's some House of Representatives, there's some senators on it. How, can you just yeah, explain to our yeah, listeners no, how that sure. all started? So, so you know, the the pandemic obviously in the in the state of emergency started in March, and um, during the state of emergency, um, you, you know, a lot of times the legislature does not have the the role that they have normally. You know, when when we're doing legislation or we're doing uh, the budget or this and that. And so I think a lot of our legislative leaders and, and people in the legislature, including myself, felt uh, somewhat, you know, helpless in terms of um, being able to help with, with the pandemic. There, there were certain things that we could do, uh, but, but largely the governor was kind of going it alone. And, and that still is the case today as, as we sit here. So, but, but the legislature always has a, an oversight role. We have an oversight committee, a standing oversight committee that I'm actually a part of in the House, and, and, and then they have one in the Senate. 
And so I think the legislative leaders came together and they said, how can we, um, how can we be a voice for people that are in our districts that are saying, what is going on? Have this a policy that is... Because you're getting inundated with calls, we I'm are. sure. We are. And this, this policy that the governor is putting forward on a variety of different issues is affecting us, how it's affecting us from businesses being closed to... Uh, obviously, this, this issue with, with seniors not being able to see their families. So a wide variety of issues. So they put together bipartisan, bicameral House and Senate members together, and they have really taken this uh, very seriously, as you can imagine. I mean, they meet on almost a weekly basis, even through the summer months where we were not in session very often. They would come into Lansing and do... A, you know their their committee work, and um, I know the chair Matt Hall. He, uh, you know, he's put about sixty hours a week into this, just kind of researching everything. And they've had, um, you know, business owners there. Uh, just just a few weeks ago, um, I was working on legislation with regard to swim training facilities, like our goldfish swimming in in downtown Rochester. Um, they they came actually before the committee a few months ago because they were lumped in with um, hotel pools and in other indoor pools, and what they were trying to say was, well, you know, we're swim training. We it's basically appointment only. You know, little Johnny comes in at ten o'clock and does his swim lesson, and then he leaves. It's not a public pool in that you have a lot of kids a lot of grown-ups in, in the pool at one time. So so they, they've been able to really shed a lot of light on on a lot of that stuff. Um, and, and, you know, I think the thought was it could be kind of a partisan witch hunt, but I think in reality what it's become is just holding department folks and, and different folks that have been able to make these decisions with the governor um, accountable for the decisions that are being made because it's not going through a proper legislative process. It's, it's just not. So were they, were the committee members hand selected or did they volunteer? Like they have a passion for seniors or how did that get put together? So yeah, they, cause I do like that. It's a, a vast array of people. I think it's great. Yeah. They, um, so typically on, on something like that, the, the speaker of the house on the house side and then the Senate majority leader on the Senate side, will will pick people but i think because of the the type of committee that it was and and the work that had to be done within the committee certainly private conversations you know ensued in terms of um you know would you have an interest in this committee would you have an interest in that committee kind of thing the other thing that i think is interesting is a lot of the members have time left um you know, in, in Michigan, we've got pretty strict time term limits. So, like, this is the last three, you know, little three-plus months of my time in, in Lansing. But th- this COVID response is going to continue on into 2021 and into next session. And so a lot of the House members that we have and, and even the senators with their with their four-year terms are going to be here next session as well. So the stuff that they're learning, the report that they're going to release at some point, um, you know, will be very helpful going forward for the next session as well. Well, I I think it was brilliant. I'm a very appreciative. I think that 
there was some great information that was communicated and done very professionally and very well. And I think that the committee asked some wonderful questions of the task force. So the task force was put together, my understanding, by the governor. Um, so explain to me if that's correct. And that's yes, a group yep. of like 13 or so people. This is separate from the committee we were just telling you about, listeners. This is a separate task force that was put together in July that they have um, kind of a focus of coming up with some recommendations. And then they presented it to the committee members. Okay. Exactly, exactly. So, so we had some legislators from both the Senate and the House on that as well. And they were in, um, you know, they were part of committees that, you know, it would make sense. Like mm-hmm. Hank Popel, he's our chair of the, our health policy committee in the House. And he's been the chair now the last four years. And so it, it made sense for him to be on there. Um, so there was, I think, at least two two House members and two Senate members on a bipartisan basis. Perfect. That were on there. And then, but then you had other you know, other folks that were in, that were part of the industry and, and, mm-hmm. and, uh, part of state government. And they came up with 28 different recommendations. And, um, um, and so I was glad that they were able to present that to the task force because, um, you know, it, it it's a lot of the same stuff that we were, um, that I think we were trying to get into with the, with the legislature in terms of um, like the nursing home discussion, that's gotten a lot of discussion. You know, it was interesting because we had legislation that we passed that the governor ultimately vetoed, but the task force actually came up with a recommendation that was very similar, similar to not you- identical to that bill. And so, so we're hoping that that will move the discussion forward with the governor in terms of next steps, um, you know, because, again, I don't think, you know, I know pe- some people are trying to be partisan on COVID. I think, in reality, we're just trying to look out for the best interests of the people that we represent. Um, and, you know, we've heard from family members um, that have had loved ones in these nursing homes, and they're just saying, why is this the policy of the state of Michigan? So we're, as legislators, trying to get to the bottom of it. And I think any time you do that, Obviously, the, the governor's been, de, you know, defensive on some of that. But the reality is we're just trying to get to the bottom of it so that we can correct the, the problem going forward. And and I really think, like you said, I believe that we all have the best interest of the the resident, the, our seniors. So if we can open that dialogue like we are now, um, and I'm not going to lie, I wish we would have done it a little sooner, but that's just my perception. Sure. But um, if we can open that dialogue... And come up with solutions, and that's what I'm. I'm so about. I'm a solution-oriented person. Like, let's stop talking and let's do something. I'm exactly. an action person. Exactly. That's that's the word. Exactly. Well, and I I really appreciate your testimony in front of the front of the committee because again, the feedback I got from the committee members, you know, we're getting a lot of data, we're getting a lot of all this kind of stuff, and and it was great to get some, you know, on the ground you know, real perspective of what is going on with with these seniors and the quality of life aspect as it relates to not being able to, you know, see their family members. And um, and so, yeah, I think it, it moves the ball forward uh, for sure. I think the governor's already talking about 
how we move forward. And well, and, the good news yeah. the good news is that we actually are allowing visit visitation for nursing home residents outside at this point today. So we're now we're thinking about what's going to happen when the weather changes. So yes. at least we've got 30 days or so, I pray, to think <laughs> through that. You're listening to the Patriot FM 101.5 AM 1400. We're going to be back to talk more with Mike Weber shortly. Hi there, Hugh Hewitt. I have a book that you've been waiting for, the one that totally uncovers the anti-Trump movement within the Washington establishment. My good friend Byron York, you know him from Fox News, the Washington Examiner. He's on my show all the time. He's got a brand new book. It's called Obsession, Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump, and Byron Brings the Heat. Obsession is a must-read. He's the political correspondent that you always trust anyway. But now we've got officials and members of the Trump defense team on the record. All of the stuff you want to find out about what happened with the special counsel, what happened with the impeachment, what happened with Ukraine, it's all in Byron's new book, Obsession. Look, the opposition will stop at nothing to prevent Donald Trump's re-election. Now is the time to get the facts. Read Byron York's penetrating new book, Obsession, inside the Washington establishment's never-ending war on Trump. Available from Amazon and wherever books are sold. Obsession by Byron York. Obsession by Byron York. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with spinal stenosis? I'm Dr. Marion McMillan, Medical Director of Synergy Spine, Michigan. Spinal stenosis affects 50% of people over age 60. Patients with spinal stenosis cannot stand, walk, or enjoy normal activities without severe pain in the back, hips, and legs. Now, spinal stenosis can be treated through a lighted tube no larger than a pencil, without the risk or expense of major spinal surgery with rods, plates, or screws. The endoscopic surgical procedure is performed on outpatients in about an hour. Patients go home the same day and can resume normal activities in just a few days. It's the modern alternative to major spinal surgery. Contact Synergy Spine Michigan toll-free at 833-770-8100 or at SynergySpineMichigan.com. That's 833 833- Seven seven zero eighty one hundred or SynergySpineMichigan.com. I'm Brian Kurtz, president of AIP Financial Services. A fixed annuity is similar to a CD at a bank. They both give you a guaranteed interest rate for a certain period of time and are very safe. Fixed annuities, though, typically pay a higher interest rate than CDs, and the interest is tax-deferred until you take it out. As an independent advisor, I'm proud to be able to offer the highest guaranteed rates anywhere in the nation. Call AIP Financial Services today at 866-247-6663 to find out what you could be earning on your safe money. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance. Stock market have you nervous with all the massive fluctuations? With the impact of coronavirus and the upcoming election, it's virtually impossible to guess what will happen next. With Vantage Point, you don't have to. Text money to 411411 to find out how our technology can forecast market trend changes with up to 87.4% accuracy. That's right, 87.4%. Text the word money to 411411 to get what you need to stay ahead of market trends and better protect yourself from sudden downturns. Vantage Point's patented technology analyzes huge quantities of global data in seconds. No more guessing when to stay or when to get out. Text money to 411411 and we'll send you a link to our free demo so you can better protect your hard-earned capital with Vantage Point. Don't wait. Text the word money to 411411. Go to VantagePointSoftware.com for terms, conditions, and privacy policy. 
Hello friends, this is Luke Hammett, and I have some exciting news for you. Now, in addition to listening to us on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, you can also stream us live on Radio.com. Here's how it works. Just go to Radio.com, choose News Talk Radio, then scroll down to WDTK The Patriot. It's that simple. Or you can just pick us up on the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you'll love it. Check us out today at Radio.com. Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors. We are blessed to have Mike Weber with us today. Um, he is a state representative and extremely knowledgeable and also a key factor in um, talking with Chairman Hall to get me personally on um, an opportunity to talk before the Joint Select Committee. So I appreciate him, and I, I'm thankful for what you do every day and I know you have the heart of your constituents in mind and you care and and we appreciate that um so tell us a little bit moving into a little different topic this segment tell us a little bit financially how COVID affected um our community and your area yeah for sure yeah well I obviously first and foremost it's it's affected a lot of jobs and it's affected a lot of um you know employers um, through the federal government, um, a lot of people that were unemployed were able to get um, $600 additional unemployment benefit through, at least I think, believe the, the end of July. Uh, certainly the unemployment was a very slow process, and we're still working with folks to this day that have struggled to get unemployment. They put in their claim in March, April. Sometimes they still didn't see it until till June or July. And, and we had over 1.2 million people on unemployment in the state of Michigan when you factor in that we're a state of 10 million people, roughly. Um, that, that's a decent amount of people. Mm-hmm. And so one of the aspects of, the, of our office is, you know, people think of the legislation that you introduce and pass and, and your votes – but a big aspect of it really is helping people navigate through state government. Traditionally, it's been the Treasury Department with taxes. It's been the St- Secretary of State office with their license plate or their, you know, their plate on their car. But in this case, it was 1.2 million people contacting their state representatives and state senators to try to get unemployment benefits that they needed because – of they had the to put lockdown. food on the table. Yeah, yeah they had to put exactly. food on the table in the lockdown. So we try to help as many people as we as we possibly could. In every single case that came through, um, we helped them the best we could. But it was a very slow process, and um, and for that, it, it's really something that that was the COVID. Another thing that the COVID task force really looked at and tried to address. And I think because of light that they shed on some of the issues with that department, they were able to make some changes uh, internally to, to speed up their process. The, obviously, the other aspect of it is some of those folks just ended up going back to work now. So I think we're under half a million unemployed, probably more in that maybe 400,000 range. Um, but with that also came, uh, you know, some budget issues, not only for families, but certainly for, for the state of Michigan as well. We did just pass our budget last week. But getting to that point was 
was um, truly a rocky road, if you will. Um, in May, the we have fiscal agencies for the House, the Senate, the Treasury Department, and they will do a revenue estimate conference. And what we try to do is we try to, you know, if we're going to have a budget discussion, we have to start with the same numbers. Right. So they try to come up with a consensus of how much revenue they think the state has. And based on our prior budget, they thought we would be about $3 billion in the hole. So that would have been about a million, about a billion two in cuts to schools. It would have been close to $2 billion in cuts to your general fund, you know, type of thing. So your roads, potentially health care, different things like that. Um, But what we learned a few months later in August, as we were going to start to work to finalize the budget in September, was that in the short term, um, the the revenue came in a lot better than than we had projected. Um, And I think a lot of that was attributed to folks that were getting the unemployment benefits, they were able to, um, you know, go out and, and spend some money on goods and services, uh, sales tax, use tax. And so, um, so the federal money that we got, not only with that, but then also the CARES Act dollars um, that we were able to utilize really did save us in terms of our, our budget woes. Uh, we were able to pass a budget uh, last week um, that goes into effect for you know starting in October um, that was a very bipartisan budget because we didn't necessarily have to make a tremendous amount of cuts I think we cut about 250 million overall in in just here and there Mm -hmm. but we were able to not only do the the per pupil at the same amount we did last year but we were able to do a one-time $65 per pupil increase wow. um, in there. Nice work. Which, again, we yeah. yeah we did not think was possible in, in May. Uh, we were able to preserve and, and keep uh, current with our revenue sharing payments to the municipalities. Uh, we were able to, we had passed a road funding plan in 2015 that fully was implemented by 2021. We were able to keep that in Great. there. And so what that meant was an additional $1.2 billion annually for roads than what we were spending in 2015. Mm-hmm. And half of that was new money with um, gas and, and registration fees. And then half of that was existing budget dollars. And when it was passed, um, people were very skeptical that that's, we could take that $600 million from state government currently and, and use it. And, of course, the debate was some people thought we should take it all from state government, Mm -hmm. and then obviously some thought we should do, you know, a bigger tax increase, uh, fee increase, if you will. And we were able to kind of split the difference and say, look, you know, we're going to do some new revenue, but we're going to do some existing revenue as well. So so roads, public safety, we were able to preserve a lot of public safety stuff. But going forward, it's going to be a challenge. with this next session uh, in 2021-2022 because I think what you're going to see, you know, there are, like our Restaurant and Lodging Association, they're already predicting 25% to a third of restaurants and maybe even some of the hotels are, are just never going to come back. 
And so those wow. are jobs that are we are going to permanently lose in the state of Michigan. Um, I've seen some, and I'm not an economic person by, by trade, but I've seen some economic forecasts where we're, where we're not even going to get back to our current, you know, 2019 levels, if you will, until at least 2022 or beyond. Um, and, and a lot of it's going to be predicated on, you know, the national economy coming back as well. I mean, Michigan, Michigan's economy usually struggles when the nation, national economy is struggling. And I think you're seeing signs of the national economy starting to take a turn back into where things were at in January, February. But we're still a ways away. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, so the budget is, uh, you know, wow. it's an interesting Interesting thing, it's the biggest thing that we do as a legislature every session, and I'm proud to have voted for six balanced budgets. Um, we, we have to constitutionally balance our budget, uh, unlike the federal government, um, so that we don't have the type of debt that obviously we right. have at the federal level. Well, I just want to say thank you because I can see, you know, the need obviously is there, and the ability for you to work together has been awesome and to get that passed is i'm sure monumental so we appreciate that we i'm saying we the people yeah. we we your constituents appreciate um what you have all done for the budget because it is a big deal yeah. it's a very big deal we've been trying you know what i always said even when i was on city council was um that we need to budget for our priorities and i think you know especially in the greater rochester area um you know you have you have health care, you have roads, you have education, certainly, um, and, um, and public safety are, are some of the more critical needs. And so um, that, I think, was achieved in this, in this budget. Um, and, you know, I'm glad we didn't have to look at the alternative, which was, you know, some pretty major cuts. But I do think... Obviously, as, as you continue to watch state government over the next couple of years, there probably will have to be some cuts just given, you know, when it all shakes out, COVID um, and, and the response. And um, I think some of these restaurants and some of these places are kind of holding on for dear life right now. But mm-hmm. Praying it changes. Praying it changes mm-hmm. and praying that, that things get better. And, and But if they don't get better, you know, you may see more permanent closures, which obviously affects a lot of people's it lives. Does. So. It does. Mike, what is the best way for anyone listening to the program right now that might have questions to reach you? What would you? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so email and phone is the best. The email is Michael Weber, all one word at house dot gov, And uh, the phone number is 517-373-1773. Um, and uh, yeah, we'd be happy to hear your questions and, and comments for sure. And I appreciate that you want to hear from us because there is a lot, and a a lot of eyes are on the target. A lot of eyes are what's going on in our community, what's going on in our state, what can we do to help? And I've gotten many calls over the course of the last few weeks on asking, what can we do to help? We'll be back in just a few moments. Hi there, Hugh Hewitt. I have a book that you've been waiting for, the one that totally uncovers the anti-Trump movement within the Washington establishment. My good friend Byron York, you know him from Fox News, the Washington Examiner. He's on my show all the time. He's got a brand new book. It's called Obsession, Inside the Washington Establishment's Never-Ending War on Trump. And Byron brings the heat. 
Obsession is a must-read. He's the political correspondent that you always trust anyway. But now he's got officials and members of the Trump defense team on the record. All of the stuff you want to find out about what happened with the special counsel, what happened with the impeachment, what happened with Ukraine, it's all in Byron's new book, Obsession. Look, the opposition will stop at nothing to prevent Donald Trump's re-election. Now is the time to get the facts. Read Byron York's penetrating new book, Obsession, inside the Washington establishment's never-ending war on Trump. Available from Amazon and wherever books are sold. Obsession by Byron York. Obsession by Byron York. You have all helped build MyPillow into the amazing company that it is today. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to my listeners. Just go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. You're going to see some amazing offers. Right now, MyPillow is offering an exclusive radio special. Today, they are offering buy one, get one free on a variety of their amazing products, including the Supima MyPillows, Giza Dreams Sheets, MyPillow Towels, Roll and Go Anywhere Pillows, Duvet Covers, Giza Pillowcases, Bolster Pillows, Neck Pillows, plus, if you buy Mike Lindell's book, What Are the Odds? From Crack Addict to CEO, you'll get free shipping and a $25 gift card. Just go to MyPillow.com and enter the promo code WDTK. That's MyPillow.com, promo code WDTK. For the best night's sleep in the whole wide world, visit MyPillow.com. MyPillow is answering the call for more face masks as the country continues to deal with the global coronavirus pandemic. They will be making face masks for hospitals across the country. There's a lot going on right now, and broadcasters are on the ground covering all of it, bringing you the weather, the traffic, and breaking news, all while entertaining you 24 hours a day. Someone needs to tell you what's going on around the world and in our hometowns. And that someone is us. We are free radio. We are always there. We are broadcasters. Visit wearebroadcasters.com or text radio to 52886 to learn more. Furnished by NAB and this station. This message is for anyone looking for $500,000 to $1 million or more of affordable term life insurance. Even if you have diabetes, high blood pressure, or taking anxiety meds. Here's an example. If you're a 50-year-old male, maybe overweight with type 2 diabetes, $1 million of term life insurance may only cost about $200 a month. We're term provider, experts in finding affordable term life insurance for those that may not be in perfect health. If you've had prostate cancer, heart conditions, high cholesterol, or on prescription medications, you may still qualify for half a million to a million dollars or more of affordable term life insurance. Get a quick quote by calling Term Provider at 800-555-2085. 800-555-2085. If you're looking for term life insurance but have type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, or have other health issues, call Term Provider at 800-555-2085 or visit Term Provider. Provider.com. Termprovider.com. Hello, friends. This is John McCullough, and I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, you can also stream us live on radio.com. Here's how it works just go to radio.com, tap Choose News Talk Radio, and then scroll down to WDTK The Patriot. It's that simple. Or you can just pick up the Radio.com app. Either way, it's fun, sounds great, and you're going to love it. Check us out today at Radio.com. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. Our guest today, Michael Weber, and so blessed to have you, Michael. It really has been, um, if you're just tuning in, 
We talked a little bit in the first segment about the Joint Select Committee in regards to our seniors, and in the second segment about the budget, obviously Michael Weber's been a pretty busy man, <laughs> as all of our representatives have, but there is a lot going on during this COVID time, and it's affected many people, and you know, this is great information for our listeners, and I really appreciate it because we're learning a little bit more than we ever have before, and I think that there's a lot of eyes paying attention to what's going on, um, not just in our state, but in the United States. So um, in relationship to small business, um, you mentioned to me during break um, with liability. Tell us a little bit about kind of what's going on with that. Yeah, no, for for sure. So it, there's been discussion at the federal level and then various state levels about liability for for small businesses uh, coming back. And, and I think what you're seeing is some businesses are saying we don't necessarily want to open our doors if it's going to be, you know, what if somebody comes into the, to the door and for some reason they, they think they contract COVID while they're in our restaurant or in our shop and they, they turn around and, and sue us kind of thing. And so it's a very real, you know, thought that a lot of, a lot of business owners are having and they're all putting plans together for, for two different reasons. They're putting plans together to keep their employees um, healthy and keep their and have make their employees comfortable to come back to work but then also a lot of them if that they're dealing with uh, customers you know that's another selling point you're seeing uh, you know restaurants etc in their in their front doors or this and that they're trying to explain to potential patrons you know that they're taking the necessary steps to keep you and your family safe when you're accessing, you know, that business. So uh, we became one of a number of states that have passed legislation dealing with business liability. And unfortunately, it was on a, on a b bit of a bipartisan mm -hmm. vote, or, 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 a, or a, um, a partisan vote, I should say, um, last week. But it worked through our House Judiciary Committee. Uh, Rep. Graham Filler is the chair of the committee. He's done a great job on this package. And what he did was it was a four-bill package. It actually was a bipartisan package, and that Rep. Bird from the Detroit area was also part of the package. But they're trying to protect businesses if they're doing the right thing. If, if businesses aren't doing the right thing and they're not, they don't have a plan, they're just kind of opening and, and, you know, it's, it's just kind of haphazardly, um, you know, they shouldn't get the protections. But... If they're doing all the right things and somebody still comes in and, and for some reason, you know, thinks they get COVID through that, what we want to do is we want to protect that business from litigation that I think would probably be very unfair mm -hmm. litigation. Agreed. But also then trying to protect the employees as well. And so that's what the four bills did. Um, and we're hoping to really work with the governor on this by by the end of this year because I think, you know, she wants, you know, as thing, more things open up, she wants jobs to be retained. She wants these companies to do well and, and grow in the state of Michigan. This is, we believe, is, is a big part of that. And so it goes to the Senate, and they're going to consider it. I already know the Senate leader and some of the Senate members are very interested in the topic. And 
So I do think it will get to the governor's desk. The question becomes how do we do it in a way that the governor and, and folks on the other side of the aisle feel comfortable with it. Um, they have the, the trial attorneys association essentially is very opposed to it. Um, but we would just like to, you know, work the best we can with what what the concerns are. I, I think, again, if we, uh, if we have these businesses open and they're just going to get sued, uh, that's not going to be a, a good thing. And, and some of these businesses that are already struggling today, that, that's not going to be a good thing. So we need to have a real adult conversation about how we, how we do this going forward. Right, right. And I, I, I'm a small business owner, obviously, and I can see, you know, I'm doing everything I can to keep my employees a lot of them, a lot safe of folks are, and employed yeah. as long as I can. And nobody so wants to you. see, yeah, mm-hmm. nobody wants to see anybody get, you know, get the virus. And, and certainly with something that was not, not done correctly at their establishment. Um, and, we, you know, we felt, our family has felt pretty, uh, you know, open to going to a lot of things. We we do eat out at restaurants. We do, uh, we've been to church, uh, you know, since since it was reopened, um, and and several you know stores and this and that. And but we're careful, like everybody else, you know. But um, uh, and I think that's kind of where a lot of folks in the in the Rochester area are. Is they they want to get back out, but mm-hmm. they they're doing it in a responsible way. Well, and I'll tell you, I really do my best to support the small businesses that are open now too. Yeah. Like you know, if I have a decision to go to a large you know box store or a small business, I, I'm I'm doing everything I can, and I think a lot of people do that. Yeah. In community, let's support our community. And, you know, if we're going to lunch, go there instead exactly. of some big chain who's got a lot of dollars behind them. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that, that really not only does it keep the dollars in our community, but also it, it's really protecting, hopefully, those jobs in, in the near and long mm-hmm. term. So. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, one of the other things um, I wanted to, well, let me share Mike Weber's phone number again real quick in case you missed it in the last segment. It's 517 517- Three seven three, one seven seven three. He shared a lot of information, and, and we're so appreciative. And one of the things that you're championing, championing right now, I know, is this temporary tax credit. Um, in addition to all the other things we've already talked about, so yeah. tell tell our listeners a little bit about that. We got three and a half minutes left okay. here in this segment. So we we had uh, again bipartisan legislation, and we had a hearing in front of the tax policy committee that I'm a member of recently. What this would do is we're looking at exempting the sales and use tax for qualified PPE, personal protective equipment. And the thought being that when businesses were putting their budgets together in late 2019 for 2020, many, unless you're a hospital or, or what have you, many were not factoring in, we've got to buy a bunch of masks, we've got to buy these, this plexiglass, we've got to do all this stuff. And so the thought was, could we exempt that sales and use tax so that it, it helps, you know, kind of cover some of that expense that they, that they did not anticipate. So we're working very, very much through it. We're working the, with the Treasury Department on it, but we just think it's the right thing to do. We, we, we've tried to sunset the legislation through the end of 2021, so we're hoping 
that maybe you know there won't be as much PPE having to be bought you know going forward after that but that really kind of lessens the potential revenue hit um, you know to it but we what our thought is you know they weren't going to sell this many masks in 2020 in Michigan if if there wasn't COVID or plexiglass or mm-hmm. um, or this and that. So it's just one kind of small thing that we can do to help alleviate some of the costs that, that uh, has been a burden, um, you know, for small businesses. So I'm really hoping it gets some traction. We had a good hearing. There were some good questions and comments from the committee members. And, um, you know, we have – uh, just enough time to, to be able to get it through. There's similar legislation that Senator Nesbitt has on the Senate side. So it's an idea that's really been out there through different chambers of commerce, the Michigan Chamber, Detroit Regional Chambers is the chamber that I've been kind of working on on it. And um, Representative Lilly from the west side of the state and uh, Representative Joe Tate, who's a Democrat from Detroit, it's the three of us on the package, and Wonderful. I've been working really well with Joe on a, on a lot of bills over the last couple of years, and so um, he's a good guy. We're both former football players. He was a little went a little higher than I than I did. He was the team captain at Michigan State, wow. and then was in the NFL for uh, for a number of years. But uh, um, and I just went to Wayne State and played very briefly, and then. Um, you know, my, my football career was done, but, uh, but yeah, we're kind of, we're both kind of big guys. And so it's kind of a, you know, little intimidation, I guess, when we, when we testify the two together. Of you together, yes. right? Yeah. People are yeah. like, oh, we better, whatever they want, we better give it to them. Yeah. So, yeah. So it's been good. So we're, yeah, we're working through it, but I think, you know, that and this business liability are two things that we can definitely do that, um, you know, to help our businesses, you know, stay, stay open. I mean, many of them are struggling right now. They're, they're get, you know, they have capacity uh, requirements and all sorts of things. Um, And, um, you know, as we're hopefully loosening that more and more in the future, uh, you know, this, this would help them, I think, tremendously. Excellent. Excellent. No, I I appreciate it, and I appreciate that you're championing. Championing. I say that really fast three times. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to take a quick break. We got one segment left. Uh, we're going to really focus on what we, all of us, can be doing um, to support our state and our community. So stay tuned. Again, you're listening to the Patriot FM 101.5 AM 1400. When we went to the American people and asked for what would become 45 days to slow the spread, uh, our very best scientists told us that if we didn't take that action, we could lose 2.2 million American lives. Vice President Mike Pence on Focus on the Family Minute. But because the American people were willing to put the health of others first, they were willing to do the hard things. Our, Our doctors and nurses and first responders were willing to come alongside people to provide the level of care that any family would want, that because... Our essential workers were able to keep food on the table and keep critical and essential infrastructure rolling. We've lost considerably less than that. Now, I will say we do mourn with those who mourn and grieve with those who grieve, and our hearts go out to anyone in the sound of my voice that lost a loved one to the coronavirus. But I think because of our national response that we've saved countless American lives, and as I said, it's been a great privilege for me to be some small part of it. More from Vice President Pence at FamilyMinute.org. Have you or a loved one been diagnosed with spinal stenosis? I'm Dr. Marion McMillan, Medical Director of Synergy Spine, Michigan. 
Spinal stenosis affects 50% of people over age 60. Patients with spinal stenosis cannot stand, walk, or enjoy normal activities without severe pain in the back, hips, and legs. Now, spinal stenosis can be treated through a lighted tube no larger than a pencil without the risk or expense of major spinal surgery with rods, plates, or screws. The endoscopic surgical procedure is performed on outpatients in about an hour. Patients go home the same day and can resume normal activities in just a few days. It's the modern alternative to major spinal surgery. Contact Synergy Spine Michigan toll-free at 833-770-8100 or at SynergySpineMichigan.com. That's 833-770-8100 or SynergySpineMichigan.com. So there's this guy named Jordan, and he's a healthy guy. He's a dad of six, and he works as a guide in Alaska. But then he goes to the doctor, and he's diagnosed with cancer, stage four. And here's the thing. He had switched from medical insurance to MediShare, which is a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. So the question for Jordan and his wife, Jenny, was, is this really going to work? Our medical bills exceeded $160,000. MediShare members shared all our bills. And it was about more than just the money, too. This is a real community. MediShare is, is a family, a group of people that stick with you through the hardest times of your life. I just don't know how I could have done it without MediShare. It's so worth looking into. There's a reason this is growing so fast. If you want to find out more, here's a number for you. 844-41-BIBLE. That's 844-41-BIBLE. 844-41-BIBLE. This is Wendy Jones, and you're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. We are here today and blessed to have um, Representative Weber, Mike Weber, with us, and we've talked about a lot of good information. Um, This is our last segment, and I've got a few more questions, and then I'm going to have him recap. So if you're just tuning in, uh, he's going to recap at the end all the the different amazing things that we talked about today. Um, But first, let me ask you this, and I, I know that... You know, there was a three-year or three uh, two-year terms that you served, and I know you're coming to a close um, on that time period. And I want to thank you for your service because I know you've done a lot, and I can tell just by this short interview. Um, but one of the things I know that you chaired this year was the regulatory reform. So tell us a little bit about that and, and what you've been able to accomplish through that and what they do. For sure, yeah. So so the House Regulatory Reform Committee is it's got to be one of the busiest committees in, in the legislature. And, you know, ideally, not only do we look at licensing issues, and we've had some of those in the committee, uh, but then also we've looked at everything from gambling to alcohol-related issues to uh, – you know, cigarettes and, and vaping. Um, so this session, we've we've been dealing with a lot about with vaping in terms of trying to get it out of the hands of our our kids and our our high school, even middle school in some cases. Kids, I've got a seven year old a second grader at, at Hamlin Elementary, and uh, you know certainly it's it's an issue near and dear to my heart. Um, and the legislation we're actually even looking at vaping would increase um increase all that stuff to 21 years of old of age or, or older uh it's it's already the law of the land at the federal level um so in a lot of respects we're trying to move that forward the other um 
the other big issues we've been dealing with is is some of the gaming or gambling issues. We have legalized uh, sports betting in our in our state, and we can debate if that is a good idea or not. But I mean, I know many other states are doing it, and that was a fight with the federal government. Essentially, they had legislation on the books that said it could only be done in Nevada and New Jersey, and some of them challenged it. It went all the way up to the U.S. Supreme Court, and they basically determined that these states could offer some sort of sports gaming. Obviously, you have to do it in a responsible way. You have to make sure that folks are are gambling and and gaming responsibly. But, um, you know, the cat's kind of out of the bag for, for our state. We have the three Detroit casinos, and then we have many... Indian casinos, and so it's been a very interesting committee to serve on. I served on it my second term, and then I was the chair this term, and um, it's I've been able to meet a lot of great people and, um, and talk through a lot of different issues. Uh, we deal with funeral-related issues, funeral homes and cemeteries. We deal with mobile homes. Uh, it, you know, kind of runs, runs the gamut, uh, elevators. Uh, all sorts of stuff. So it's been um, been very interesting. It keeps me very busy. I bet, as I bet. as we sit here, there's a bill probably being introduced that will be assigned to the Reg Reform Committee. Still hoping to get a hearing and get a vote before the end of the year, and uh, so it keeps us uh, really busy. So, well, we we appreciate your service, and I, I can I can tell by your voice how much it you know what a passion it is, and we need we need people like you to to, to chair things. Um, so we move them along, you know, take action, so to yes. speak. Yep. So with your with your term coming to an end, too, I wanted you just to kind of share what's on the horizon for you. Um, sure. And then we'll get into a little bit on voting. But so tell me, you know, obviously. Yeah. So I, um, you know, prior to doing this, not only was I on Rochester Hills City Council, but then I also uh, was a licensed property and casualty insurance agent. And... Um, you know, and we actually had a really big thing go on this year with the auto insurance, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, decisions that were made that went into effect July 1. But I'm planning on going back into the insurance world. My my dad is a senior himself, and he, uh, him and I uh, work together on a lot of different accounts. And um, I have not really been keeping up my end of the bargain here over the last six years. Um but um, it's just been challenging, obviously, with with devoting so much time to to the legislative job as I as I should be doing. Mm-hmm. So uh, diving back into that, and then we'll we'll see kind of what the future holds. Um, you know, I probably like a lot of people in politics will be looking at the uh, the redistricting and the and the independent redistricting commission that is going to be drawing the lines for 2022 and, and beyond. And um, we'll, we'll see. There could be an opportunity to serve potentially at the Michigan Senate level or, or some, some other part of government. But for me, it's been 13 great years between the time that I was on the Rochester Hills Council for seven and then six years in the legislature. It's been great serving the greater Rochester area for sure. Absolutely. So what are your recommendations for a replacement for you? I mean, obviously, we got to look to the future a little bit. Well, sure. Well, it's going to be impossible, I know, because <laughs> no, you are no, me. It's, no, and yeah. I do see Senate on the horizon Things move. for you. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's, it's, uh, no one's, no one's uh, not replaceable. But, uh, um, you know, I'm very partial to uh, Mark Tisdale. Um, he is running right now in, in a contested 
uh, race, and I think it will be a very interesting close race in the Rochester area. But Mark is somebody that I served on the city council with uh, for three years. Uh, we overlapped and um, just really cares about the community. Just, it just He's been involved in so many different charities. He, he sings at St. Andrew's Catholic Church, which is the church that my wife and I go to. And he just he just has a real heart for the community. I know he was on the OPC board, and and you know he served eight years on the city council. Um, so you know that that's who I'm partial to. But uh, we'll we'll see what the voters uh, do uh, on November third for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the things that's kind of near and dear to my heart right now is getting our seniors um, to vote because some of them are in you know independent communities, assisted living we've talked about, obviously, in the past. And I want to make sure that we're reaching them and encouraging them as well. Um, so that's kind of my little platform, in case you didn't know. Yeah, no, <laughs> for because, sure, for sure. You know, yeah. So any senior that's listening, that's questioning, what do I do, who do I call, how do I get my ballot, just call my office. We will walk you through it and help you. Because um, it's a little confusing, and some people don't have you know, Wi-Fi, and there's just a lot of different um, social determinants, I'm going to say, that people yes. run into as we age. And we're here for you. We're here for you. I just want to let you know that, listeners. So we've got three minutes left. I'd love you just to recap because we covered so much. Um, we started off with the Joint Select Committee sure. conversation. Just kind of give our, our listeners a recap of uh, well, all the exciting yeah. things you've got And going again, on. you know, Wendy, I really appreciate the opportunity to be on here. And, and Wendy was really the, the rock star uh, a few weeks ago with the COVID task force, bipartisan bicameral task force, and they're they're just looking at and trying to provide oversight for for us as as citizens and residents on all the different decision points that were made in terms of this COVID response in Michigan, and and I'm what I'm hoping is they'll wrap up at some point their their hearings and then provide a, a larger report on a lot of their stuff. But they've been talking about everything from the unemployment benefit issues to obviously you know, trying to address getting uh, families in to see their seniors uh, on a more regular basis. And so I uh, was very excited about that. Then uh, we certainly talked about the budget. We do have a budget here in the state of Michigan uh, from October uh, through next uh, end of, se- of September of 2021. We did not have to make tremendous cuts like we thought we would have to, but it's certainly worth following over the next couple of years because, again, as, as businesses uh, permanently close potentially, as, as uh, residents are, are without those jobs that they were looking forward to coming back to um, after the lockdown, it's, it's going to be a very trying time, I think, for our state and our nation over the next couple of years. And obviously, it already has been this year, but I think it's, we're not quite out of the woods yet, as, as the governor uh, says uh, here and there. And then also trying to provide some, some help and, and benefit for our small businesses um, as they're reopening. Uh, liability from kind of what I would call frivolous litigation, if you will, but then also trying to provide them with uh, you know, a tax exemption on their sales and use tax on the PPE that they're buying that they really didn't think they were going to have to do this this year and and uh you know I, you know i'm hoping we get to a point a few years from now where you don't have to see the plexiglass all the time and all that kind of stuff and but that's stuff that probably will just go 
in a storage unit or something somewhere and and pray um, we never have to use it again yeah, hopefully yes yeah. so right I'll tell you, I, I appreciate you. I appreciate what, you know, your dedication, your commitment, and your service for these six years to our community. So I just want to say thank you. And um, and being on the program today has been so educational. I, I'm sure our listeners are like, this is great. Give your, I appreciate it, yeah. Give your email one more time to so everybody. So it's, it's Michael Weber, all one word, at house.mi.gov. Okay, and his phone number again, listeners, is 517 517- Three seven three, one seven seven three. We've got you for at least three more months, <laughs> and he's a wealth of knowledge, and we appreciate. I you. appreciate. It. Thank you. I absolutely do. And and those seniors out there, please call the office if you have any questions. We can help walk you through how to get the ballot, what to do in order to vote. Every vote counts. God bless you. Have a have a great day. You're listening to The Patriot, FM 101.5, AM 1400. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. This is Randy Brown with the Patriot Detroit, and I've got some exciting news. Now, in addition to listening to us at 101.5 FM and AM 1400, you can also listen to us live on radio.com. Just go to... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.